Hi, welcome to Conscious Pathways. I'm your host, Brittany Carey. Today's episode, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into education and what does reimagining education look like. Um, I'm so excited to share these amazing guests that I have planned for some next upcoming episodes, but today is just going to be a solo episode, uh, giving you some time to get to know me, and hopefully throughout these next couple of episodes, I'll get to know more about some questions that I would love to ask each of my guests as they come onto the podcast is, who or what inspired you to explore work in education? And for me, I kind of go back to my early experiences in education, my second grade classroom. Um, I remember I almost didn't graduate the second grade. I had a really hard time getting this concept of reading. It was really a struggle for me at the time. And I almost didn't graduate. They wanted to hold me back one more year. And and luckily, I was able to, um, you know, graduate with my friends and go up to the next level to third grade. Uh, but it did mean that I was starting in that grade level um, way behind where a lot of my peers were. Um, and luckily in the third grade, I had this wonderful teacher, uh, Ms. Souter, and she took so much time with me. She met with me. She would stay after school with me and just help me learn to read. And um, we would go to the library during school. and she would just ask me a lot of questions. And I think that's something that really stood out for me is she took the time to get to know me as a student and what I liked and what I was interested in and what really grabbed my interest. She didn't really see me as this child who just wasn't paying attention or was kind of spacey. I was a big daydreamer. Um, And she she didn't see all of those negative qualities in me. She saw a kid who was very curious and maybe a kid who needed to be stimulated and challenged a little bit more, maybe someone who was just a little bit bored in the classroom. Um, And she saw something in me and took that time to really get to know me, get to know my interests, get to know what kind of lights that fire in me. And I do remember one conversation, she was asking me, what do you like? What are you interested in? And at the time, I really loved dogs. Those I loved, and I loved all animals, but particularly dogs just had a very special place in my heart. Um, and so the next class day, I think we took a little trip to the library, and she showed me a couple of books that just starred dogs in it. Um, and I remember picking up that first book, and it changed, it, it enlightened me in such an amazing way. I read the entire book, and then I just wanted more. I wanted to read more books. It was this fast, this amazing way to transform myself from where I was and all those experiences that I was experiencing at a young age. And it took me out of that and into this book world, something that I had never even recognized before. It really altered the way that I saw my educational journey. And by the end of that third grade, I was one of the top readers in the classroom. I was an avid reader. I wanted to read books all the time. Um, After that, I remember I would get books as like a treat uh, for getting good grades in class or for doing well on a test. My mom would take me to the bookstore and we got to pick out some books that I was interested in. I remember just being so excited about that or feeling super excited about going to the library and picking out the books for that week. There were so many great amazing things that came out of me 
really just pouring that into learning to read. And it also helped me to see that for me personally, I was very like intrinsically motivated. I wasn't super extrinsically motivated. So me being able to have that that drive to do that on my own was something that was so important. Prior to that, this was just something that everyone else was trying to get me to do. And I just was not interested in what they were trying to get me to do. Whereas when someone took that time and, and asked me what I liked, and once I connected that, oh, no, this is something that I like. This is something that is a benefit to me. This is something that I can learn from. Oh, yeah, I grasp onto that idea immediately. Um, it really built that foundational love of reading and learning and school after that. It, it kind of changed a little bit for me. It became something else. It became something that I was excited about something that was just encouraging and amazing. And really, I think back to that time, and I think about what would happen if I didn't have that teacher that did that, that at that such that young, pivotal time in my life. And at such that young age, what if I didn't have that? Where would that love for learning have come from? Where would I have learned to be um, that person who is intrinsically motivated? Um, as a kid, I was very naturally curious. I was very quiet, very observant. Uh, people liked to describe me as very shy. Uh, I, I don't really think that I'm a shy person uh, in general, but just that quiet and observing nature kind of leads people to believe that I am very shy. I love to observe people and I love to to learn about people and just see how people are operating. And that also helped to shape eventually what kind of educator I would become in the future. Of course, after that experience, you know, at a young age, you always get asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, and for me, I wanted to be a teacher. And I remember I would tell people, like, I want to be a teacher when I grow up. That impact of Miss Souter on that second, on that third grade classroom really inspired me to want to do that for other students. And really showed me the power of education and the impact that teachers can have. Of course, my little third, fourth grade self wasn't thinking of all that, but it did really inspire me and it made me feel something inside that wasn't there before. I don't remember who it was, but I do remember that I had told someone, an adult, that I wanted to be a teacher when I grew up. And they had told me that you don't want to be a teacher. Teachers don't make any money. And I thought about that and what I learned from that conversation at that young age was that, oh, okay, what really matters is making money. Money is important, right? So for years, then I decided like, okay, I have to go into a profession that makes money. And so I thought maybe I'll be a lawyer or maybe I'll be a doctor. Um, those people seem to make money. That seems to be a profession that makes money. So for pretty much a couple of years after that, I was determined that I was going to become a doctor. Um, I had a really big interest in OBGYN and really decided that I was going to be a neonatologist. I was going to still work with children in some capacity, but just little small babies who needed that help. I was going to help babies. That was something that I really wanted. And that was something that I felt was my true calling and that purpose. So graduated high school. I started going to community college uh, to just get those prerequisites. And then I was hoping to go to pre-med somewhere. And during that time, I had started working. I'd been working in customer service and cafes, serving at restaurants, um, bartending at a brewery. Uh, so I was doing customer service for a couple of years while I was still in community college. And 
it was great for those first, you know, couple of years. And I just started to get kind of tired. Um, it was just kind of taxing. It was a lot of, it was a lot of work in a different way. Um, and I just wanted something different. And a friend of mine was a director at a preschool and she said, you know, I think you'd actually be really great at this. You should look into it. So I looked into it and thought, oh, you know, why not? Let's try this out. Let's see, let's see how I like this. Um, I started looking into how you do it. I reached out to a preschool. This is the first preschool I worked at I found on Craigslist, which is a bizarre thing to think about now. Um, but I went on Craigslist and I found a school and I went and I talked to them about it. And they told me, okay, you just need, you know, these 12 units in California, at least you need these 12 units in child development. Um, and as long as you are enrolled in those classes, then you can work here. And I was like, cool. So I was enrolled in those classes and I started working there kind of part-time in the mornings. And then I would go to my, um, my brewery job after that. And then I would go to school after that. Um, so just very long days, very long weeks um, of just working full-time and then doing a little part-time gig with the school and then also going to school at the same time. And I remember my first day in that classroom I don't even know how this is possible but they just kind of left me alone with these children in the morning for a while and it was kind of a hot mess <laughs> I definitely remember it just being like a bit of a hot mess I did not know what I was doing the kids did not know me they're all over the place but I loved it I was there for about two hours the lead teacher had came in and I got to observe that lead teacher for a little bit and when I left, I felt so inspired and so excited, and I could not wait to come back and do it again. And as I started taking those classes and I started learning about just the way children develop and all these just really amazing things, I started learning about the philosophy of children, the brain development, the stages of development. It was so inspiring, and I loved every second of it. Um, Eventually, I was able to get a full-time teaching position, and I left my uh, brewery job so that I could work in this, this classroom, you know, full-time. At that point, again, I continued to love it. I enjoyed it just so much. I, like, I loved working with the kids. I loved interacting with them. I loved the conversations that I got to have with these students. I loved working with other individuals who were super excited and passionate about education and just learning from them and seeing how they did their circle times and how they planned their classrooms. And it was just so exciting. And at that moment, I had switched from thinking I wanted to do medicine to I'm really liking this education thing. And you know what? I remember saying as a kid that I wanted to do this and now I'm in the classroom and I'm doing the thing. And I love the thing. So why would I stop doing the thing? Um, so I switched up my whole major and decided, you know what, I think I'm going to go for education. Uh, so I continued to get my child development units and, you know, continued going through community college, just, just a little bit of a cheaper option. So I always recommend community college. Um, first, it did save me quite a bit of money. And I was also easier to switch up when I wanted to do pre-med to doing this. But um, when I switched, I had the idea that I wanted to go into elementary education. So I wanted to be like a kindergarten teacher. And that, when I look back on that time, that is kind of this really interesting perspective, right? Of how the perspectives of 
early childhood education? Like, what is that perspective and how that impacts the field? Because even my thoughts at the time, as I was teaching in a classroom, I was literally teaching, I didn't see myself as a teacher. Um, and when I was thinking about what I wanted to do career-wise, I thought, okay, well, and I'll just go become a real teacher because I like this. So I could be a real teacher. Not thinking that, no, you're in a classroom, you're teaching. You have gone through training to do the thing that you're doing now. You are a teacher. And those perceptions of early childhood education or preschool teaching really are really powerful, really powerful within this field because it, I think a lot of people don't see teachers as, or especially early childhood or preschool teachers or infant and toddler teachers, they're not quite seen as real teachers. I say that with the biggest quotations because again, we are teachers. Uh, we are in those classrooms and we are doing these things with, we are doing teaching with students. So why would we not be perceived as teachers, right? Um, it makes me think about how early childhood is often seen as a stepping stone for other careers. So, you know, students who are wanting to study social work might do preschool teaching for a little bit and then go to do their kind of real adult jobs. Or people who want to teach elementary school might teach in a preschool to get that experience before they go to their real adult jobs. And that is in in itself, it's, it's problematic. It's, it goes into those perceptions that we have of early childhood education, right? Who's an early, who is an early childhood education teacher? Who's a preschool teacher? Um, and these kind of poor perceptions of preschool teaching and early childhood education are kind of why there is this lack of upward mobility within the teaching field, especially for early childhood. We have this perception of preschool teaching as you're playing with kids all day. You're not really doing anything important. You're just watching kids all day. You're playing with kids, like you're just having fun. And that absolutely is not the case. I remember as a preschool teacher, they'd ask, you know, what do you do for work? And I would tell them I'm a preschool teacher. And they would say something like, oh, that's cute. You don't say that for other professions. We, we don't say like, oh, what do you do? I'm an engineer. That's cute. And I don't think that people are saying this to be intentionally diminutive or to intentionally demean my work, but unintentionally, that is what's happening, right? We're putting this preschool teaching in a little bucket of, it's just, it's a cute thing. You get to hang out with kids all day. It's fine. When there's actually a lot of intentionality and work into the things that we did. Um, there's a lot of planning I, I would put into that classroom about what activities we were going to do. Uh, there's a lot of assessments that we're doing to see where are the students developmentally, what skills, are they needing to learn and what skills should we be focusing on in our classroom? There's so many aspects and so many things and so many moving pieces in addition to keeping multiple young children just alive and safe. And I don't know if you've worked with children or you've been around children, but these children often just have like a death wish. They just are doing the most dangerous things at all times. You turn your back for one second and they're on top of the table. It is the most wild, the most wild experience. So, in addition to all of those things that you're trying to juggle as that teacher, right, you are, especially with these young children, with young children, they really rely on adults to really co-regulate with them. So that means that they're not really regulating their emotions and regulating everything that's going inside of them on their own very well. 
um, they often do need adults to regulate with them. So that's that co-regulation. And so you're kind of sitting in the space as this impromptu kind of parent at the time. So you need to co-regulate with them. You need to you know, hold their hands, these kind of big emotions, especially with young children. They have a lot of big emotions. They haven't really been on this world for very long. So some things might happen and it seems like such a small thing that, oh, you didn't get the red plate today and they're having a total and complete meltdown. But to them, that that was the worst thing that has happened to them. You took their autonomy away and they, they didn't get the thing that they wanted. So yes, it's it's really tricky. It's really tricky to balance all of these different needs and and assessments and you know you have things that your administrators, your school uh, directors or administrators are wanting you to do. You have all these additional pressures from parents and what they're wanting. And you're also trying to navigate, you know, your own kind of internal um, workings and your own emotions and your own tiredness and your own burnout. And there's so many things that as a teacher in the classroom, you're really trying to balance that on top of that, someone looking at my career and saying that it's cute is really demeaning. Again, not that I think that someone is intentionally trying to be demeaning of my career. It's just in those moments, it doesn't feel great. And again, I think that goes back to what are our perceptions of early childhood educators and how really is that impacting our field, right? Because the field really isn't being taken seriously and it undermines the extraordinary work that early childhood professionals are putting into their classrooms and putting into their work. It also just pigeonholes this, this profession as underpaid for their labor and their contributions really to the greater you know, economy and a greater society, right? We know that early childhood educators across the United States are highly educated and highly skilled, however, are some of the, the lowest paid professionals in the United States. This leads me to finding my why in education, right? Another question that I intend to ask all of my guests as they come on is how do you reimagine education? And for me, that goes back to finding my why in education. So a lot of my why comes from what I like to call the McDonaldization of education. I don't actually eat very much McDonald's ever, but <laughs> my idea here is that you can go to any McDonald's, we'll say I come from California, so we'll say any California McDonald's. For the most part, you order a cheeseburger and you're going to get all the same elements. So if you go to one here in San Diego and you go to one in Pasadena, you're going to get the same. Essentially, it's going to look the same. It's going to taste roughly the same. Um, you know, the, it has a very formulaic way that it goes. So you put A plus B and you get X result, right? And so in education, there's this kind of idea of that same McDonaldization. So in education, it's that same idea. You put in A and B and you get X result. But unfortunately, unlike burgers, people are a little bit more unpredictable and people have a lot more variations in the way that we exist, the way that we react, the way that we learn, the environments that we learn best in. There's so many different ways that education can work for individuals, but unfortunately, you know, the system works in some ways exactly as it's intended to work, which means that it's inherently flawed and it means that it's not working for a lot of students. And my goal 
in life is to really eliminate that statement of school just wasn't for me. Because school is for everyone, right? And so our education system right now, it's not really working for brown and black students, LGBTQ students, neurodivergent or neurospicy students, students with disabilities, students with special needs, um, English language learners. The school system is not really working in the best way to support all students. When I reimagine an education system, I imagine a system that is conscious, intentional, and holistic. I see a future of education that has a respect for all students, all teachers, and all families. I see education as a space where students can thrive and discover themselves and their full potential. I love the quote from Michelle Obama's book, Becoming, where she says, do we settle for the world as it is, or do we work for the world as it should be? And that is my goal. I'm always striving to work for the world as it should be. I always strive to lead with that optimism and believe that with all of our help and support, we can shape that educational system to be exactly what it was meant to be, the exact way that we can imagine it to be, a way that supports all students, families, and teachers. And that is what I hope to do with our Conscious Pathways podcast. Like I said, I am so excited to share some of these amazing guests that I have upcoming with you. We're going to have some amazing conversations, and hopefully you'll learn something from all these new ideas. Um, don't forget to come and contribute to the discussion over on our Instagram at Conscious Pathways. Until next time, don't forget to educate, elevate, and empower. See you next time on Conscious Pathways.